People are yearning for information. Having the opportunity to encourage people and to educate people and inspire people. It's amazing to be able to say we'll carve out time to take care of ourselves. There's something for everyone. Amy Weintraub is the founder of Life Force Yoga Healing Institute, and she's a pioneer in the field of yoga and mental health. She's the author of Yoga for Depression. Yoga Skills for Therapists, numerous articles and book chapters, and most recently, Temple Dancer, a novel. Her evidence-based yoga protocol for managing mood is used in healthcare settings globally, is offered in professional trainings, and is featured on numerous audiovisual products, including the Life Force Yoga Series, an award-winning library of evidence-based yoga and meditation CDs and DVDs for mood management. We are delighted to have Amy with us today on Health Gig. Hi, Amy. Welcome to Health Gig. Oh, thank you. I am so honored to be with you today, Doro. You've done such great work for the last, well, for your lifetime, but for the last 12 years, introducing mind body and meditations to so many folks. So thank you for that. Good work in the world. Oh, thank you. I wanted to begin the podcast by asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into yoga and how it all began. In terms of my own journey, I was a, a successful television producer for many years, struggling with an anxiety-based depression and to the point where there was actually a suicide attempt at one point. And I was in psychotherapy and on medication for many years. And when I discovered yoga, it was at the Kripalu Center in the Berkshires, my life began to change. We were doing yoga on fuzzy pink blankets back then. There were no yoga mats. And there was a combination of the breathing practices, the sounds we made, meditation, and the asanas. And little by little, I felt better. And when I went to my prescribing psychiatrist to say, you know, I'm feeling so abundant that I really don't know that I need this medication anymore. And she rightfully felt she had finally stabilized me on the particular medication. And she was reluctant to take me mm. off. So what happened was, um, after a while, despite the fact that I had a relationship with her, a really sweet therapeutic alliance, I went to a friend's psychiatrist and he saw me for several months and he said, I don't see you as a candidate for this medication. And he slowly titrated me off. And I became passionate about sharing what had transformed my life with others. So I became a yoga teacher. I collaborated with researchers. I wrote a pivotal article, I think in 1999 for Yoga Journal called Yoga the Natural Prozac. And from there, I was asked by publishers to write a book about yoga and mental health. So Yoga for Depression came out and then Yoga Skills for Therapists. And I evolved a set of practices that are really adaptable and accessible for folks in all kinds of settings, clinical settings, therapeutic settings, 
home practice, yoga therapy, so that they were accessible and they're based on practices that come from Mother India. But we've changed names. So, for example, in the card deck, they have the names of the practices in Sanskrit in parentheses, but we call them something like stair step breath. Yeah, so it's accessible. People aren't thrown off by a certain language. They feel that it's applicable to them. So you mentioned your yoga for mood deck. Mm -hmm. It could not be more timely. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how your yoga for your mood, the 52 ways to shift depression and anxiety, why that's an important tool now? Well, I think given the fact that um, so many first responders are suffering and healthcare workers are suffering, rates of anxiety and depression are skyrocketing in that community, as well as our young adult population, 18 to 24, they have 56% increase in anxiety, depression, and insomnia in that population. And According to the current research I've read on Kaiser Health, whereas before there was one in 10 folks suffering from mood disorders, there are now four in 10 suffering. And these are folks who might not find their way to a yoga studio. Um, they're folks who either because they just don't think in those terms or they don't have access. Our BIPOC communities often are, have limited access to really strong mental health services and really strong yoga studios and yoga practices. So this is a portable deck that anyone can use. It's user-friendly. Yeah. Um, sounds true. Ask me to bring it out now. And I wanted to do something because the books, you know, you have to have an interest already in mm -hmm. yoga to buy something like yoga for depression or yoga skills for therapists. But these cards are so accessible and they're the first cards to actually address 52 practices from the yoga tradition. And that doesn't mean you need a yoga mat or be like a pretzel body. Um, <laughs> there are certainly practices that are accessible to all of us that are actually, I think you'd be very interested in this too, Doro. They're portals into mindfulness mm -hmm. for someone with extreme monkey mind, disturbed thoughts, uh, anxiety. I think it's just such a brilliant idea. I was reading how all the different ways you can use the cards. I'm in a place now with lots of nieces and nephews and my grandbaby. And I was thinking how fun it would be for them to pick from the deck and let's try this. There's so many ways you could use this. A lot of the young people, um, my children's, my girls' age, are doing online classes of yoga. Why is this different and why would you recommend this? Well, this is something that gives, uh, especially someone with mood disorder, and many of us, even if we're not diagnosed with anxiety and depression, given that our times um, have felt um, fear, anger, um, that kind, those emotions that kind of can be overwhelming and overwhelming stress. So what this deck can do is to give access, to give someone a sense of agency, 
a sense of like, I have control. I can pick a card from the red series, which are more energizing practices, mm. or the blue series, which are more calming practices. Or if I'm feeling really good right now, and I maybe have done one or two from both sets, I can actually pick one from the green series, which is balancing and keeping me in, you know, that state of calm, alert presence. So your grandbaby and your nieces and your nephews can pick a card and you can practice it together with them and have fun. And it also can be used in a way where you pick one, there are 52 cards, so one per week and mm. focus on that. We talk about meeting the mood because if you're feeling really agitated, mm. you may not wish to simply take a deep breath or mm. do the kinds of things that are soothing because it just, when someone tells you when you're agitated or nervous to take a deep breath, you often feel even more agitation. Mm -hmm. So it's about meeting the mood first and then bringing it into a calmer state. So if we meet the mood first and we can try something, if you like, to meet the mood and yes. then bring it into a calmer state. Okay. Would you like to? I'd to love try to. Something? Let's do Oh, okay, Dora. One of the things I will say is that it's not just the practice. It's what you do after the practice. And the mm -hmm. cards have the instructions on the back mm -hmm. of the book. So I'll just frame it by saying, we'll do a little practice that seems like wow, this is going to rev me up a little bit. And then we'll do a mini body scan, which you're familiar with from mm -hmm. mindfulness, mm -hmm. which embodies it. And for folks who are living from the neck up, they're often not comfortable being in the body. This sort of leaps over that fear. And then we'll ground it with a breath. And I'll, I'll, okay. So we're going to do something called bellows breath, and we'll do it one breath per second, so it's not overstimulating. And we can do it the, the way we can do it in one of three ways, depending on shoulders. So you can inhale your arms straight up, spreading your fingers wide, and exhale your fist back in front of your chest. So you start with your fist in front of your chest, mm -hmm. your elbows by your side. If shoulders are an issue, you can go forward and back, mm -hmm. inhaling, spreading the fingers forward, exhaling, bringing the fist back. And then if you just don't want that much movement in your body right now, you can simply bring your hands and your fists in front of your shoulders, open your hands wide and close them. So it's an inhale, it's all through the nostrils, inhale through the nostrils, exhale. And we'll do that maybe 20 times. Okay. So fists in position, if it's comfortable, you can allow your eyes to soften or close. And I'm going to bring my arms up, but you can do any one of those three. Inhale, exhale. Three, two, one. Inhale up. Exhale three breaths through the mouth, bringing your arms down. 
And then allow the breath to find you. Take an integrating breath in. A complete breath out. And then bring the thumbs into your palms. Wrap the fingers around. Turn the knuckles face down. That's a grounding mudra. And sense. Take a moment to sense the energy, perhaps tingling in your face left side of the face, right side of the face, perhaps opening the palms now and sensing the energy shining down the left side of your arm, tingling, pooling in the left palm, down the right side of your arm, tingling, pooling in the right palm. Sensing this is your birthright, this awareness. The body is always present. The mind's a time traveler. So when you can bring your awareness to that tingling in your fingers, your palms, you are the presence you seek, a window through whatever mood is visiting. Inhale from seat to crown. I am. Exhale to your seat. Here. Grounded. Ready. And you can see that from this place, you could actually begin a clear, you have that clear access to that state of presence, mindfulness. And if you haven't already, you can allow your eyes to flutter open. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Why don't we take more time in our day to do those kinds of things? It just, it brings you right here. It brings you right back and it just feels so good too. Yeah. I didn't time it. It's usually two or three minutes. I've been doing live from the card deck on my uh and my i guess it's my instagram live mm. facebook or live instagrams every day like about three minutes two to three minutes with a different card every day on amy weintraub author and it gives a, just a break a pause in the day especially now that we're spending so much time online so mm. much time sitting in front of computers to just be able to get up. I mean, some of the practicers are done standing to be able to get out of your chair for two to three minutes mm. and, you know, do something to energize and create a state of presence and alertness and then come back, refresh to whatever we need to be doing in our lives. And some of us, you know, have to be in front of computers much of the day these days. Oh, yeah. Um, so can you talk a little bit about the science behind why this works or the evidence? I'd love to. So when I wrote the book, Yoga for Depression, there were maybe three studies. Um, Shirley Tallis had begun um, her journey in research. She now has over 250 studies on yoga and its benefit primarily to the mind and uh so at that time, it was just about the difference between left nostril and right nostril breathing and how left nostril breathing simulates right hemisphere and 
uh, you know, parasympathetic activity and right nostril stimulates uh, more active alert states and more sympathetic activity, which by the way, we need, we need both. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then there were a few other studies. Uh, now, every week, there's a study. And what we're finding is that even the GABA levels um, are elevated. And when we have depression, anxiety, trauma, GABA levels plummet. So GABA levels are are elevated. We know that cortisol levels are lowered. We know that there's more breath into the lungs and more oxygenated blood flowing and also to the brain. And there are some recent studies that show that our telomeres, which are indicative of our aging brains. So mm-hmm. if, as we age, they shorten. Mm-hmm. And doing these practices actually has shown that our telomeres are lengthening. lengthening. Oh, neat. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a practice. And, you know, we're learning more and more about dementia and Alzheimer's and how much lifestyle can mitigate even a predisposition for dementia. So these kinds of practices are really good as we age. They're good for our kids. They're good for our grandkids. One of the things that I know people struggle with, that's insomnia. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of science behind sleep. Mm -hmm. So talk to us about how these practices can help us with insomnia. Two ways. First, establishing a practice every day can bring us into a state of homeostasis, a state of balance um, more easily. So we're less likely to be agitated at bedtime. However, there are times when we are revved up at bedtime and the mind is active. So there are some strategies. One would be to do a gentle stair-step breath. It's based on analoma chroma and veloma chroma, but it's called, we call it stair-step. So it's accessible. Another one would be to do some left nostril, inhaling through the left, exhaling through the right. Mm. So sleeping on the right side, inhaling through the left, exhaling through the right. Now you can do it in your imagination and you can also do it with um, a little more mechanically. So if you'd like, I can lead us through some left nostril breathing. Yes. But first with mechanically and then in our imagination. So you make a fist of the right hand and release the fourth and fifth fingers and the thumb. And you exhale through both nostrils. Bring your right thumb to your right nostril. So you're using your right hand only. Inhale through your left. Close the left with the fourth and fifth fingers. Exhale slowly through the right. Beautiful. Close the right again with the thumb. Inhale through the left. Close the left. Exhale through the right. Again. Inhale through the left. Close the left. Exhale through the right. 
and then release the fist and maybe stay with eyes closed if they are and imagine inhaling through the left nostril all the way to the crown, exhaling through the right. Inhaling through the left, the whole left side of the body to the crown, exhaling down through the right side of the body. Inhaling through the left side of the body from feet to crown. Imagine exhaling down all the way to your feet. And one more time, inhale through left. Exhale all the way down to the right foot. And let's do one alternate nostril to balance. So inhale through your right nostril, all the way to the crown, exhale through your left. And then as you're ready, you can allow your eyes to flutter open if they're not already open. Mm. So using the breath, the breath is a tool for us. It happens automatically, but we can also control it. And the yogis believe that when we control the breath, and that's what pranayama means, um, control of the breath. When we control the breath, we control the mood. We control mm. the mind. So if we want a more energized state, we're going to do a faster, rapid breath, maybe pumping the belly a little bit. If we want to calm down, we're going to do a slower breath, like what we've just done. Yeah. And it creates that state of both calm, centered, peace, ease, that soothing state. So, you know, therapists are using these practices. We developed the Life Force Yoga Practitioner Training so that therapists could integrate these kinds of practices, which are on the cards into their clinical practice, into the therapeutic setting, which yeah. enhances the therapeutic alliance, the love in the room, the relationship. That makes so much sense to me. And to use these techniques before you dive into some of the more traditional medications and things, of course, medication is needed in some cases, in many cases, mm -hmm. to have this to augment some of that and mm -hmm. maybe ultimately be the thing that you move into to maintain a good mental state. I agree completely. I say if medication is necessary, bless it. It's what's bringing you to, for one thing, maybe to the yoga mat. And many people have actually been able to slowly, with supervision, not on their own, you know, because you need to have a very slow titration, slow withdrawal with supervision. Many people have been able to do that. Others have been able to reduce medication because of their daily yoga practices. And we don't take a medicine you know, once a week and, you know, go to a yoga class online or wherever once a week, we do it daily. And that's what's important. 
you're a walking example of that, which is so inspiring for, I imagine, your clients and the people who follow you. So a lot of people struggle with depression. I myself have had a mild depression here and there. So can you tell us a simple way to meet and shift depression? I would say when we're feeling lethargic, depressed, we're not going to go out and do a run. We're just too, you know, if you're a couch potato, you're not going to get off the couch when the remote dies. (laughs) You need a practice that meets you again, right where you are. So it might be something like a stair-step breath, or it might be something with slow movement, slow breathing, until you feel that your breath has expanded a bit, and then you can do something a little more energizing. Mm. So, you know, we might start in a supine position on your back, even in bed, and do some breathing practices or some movements bringing the knees to the chest, rocking, maybe lifting the legs overhead or one or two or both, lowering the legs on the bed, maybe using a sound. We use a lot of tones that are not affiliated with deities. So they're not going to be in conflict with whatever faith you have. Mm -hmm. So the sound um is associated with the root chakra, the legs. And if you extend, extend the L, it's vibrating that the lower energy center. So if you lower your legs in bed with you're starting to activate that energy center. Maybe do some movements, maybe a twist. Maybe um, leg, you know, if you have the energy, a few leg lifts, one or both. And then doing some breathing practices that start to bring more energy. We call it prana, life Mm -hmm. force, into the system. And uh, and then instead of, you know, you can start right there in bed or you can roll out of bed and have like a yoga mat right next to your bed, do some cat cow, which you Mm. can also do in bed or a chair, lifting the chest, exhaling and rounding the chest. There are a number of small movements that begin to activate the core. The, Mm. the, The yogis believe that our solar plexus, that they call it Manipura chakra. And it's basically our, self-esteem, our power battery, Mm. our identity. And that's what we want to invigorate. So we want to begin to do practices that move the core, whether they're standing twists or breathing practices like stair step that gently without overstimulating, begin to pump the belly a little bit. Describe stair step. How does that work? Do you want to try it or shall I describe it? Let's do it. Okay. Before we even begin, imagine something beautiful, maybe a scene, or if you don't see a scene in nature, a time when you felt really calm, strength, then maybe the words calm strength or courage 
We're going to take little steps as though we're climbing a mountain through the nostrils. At your own pace. And when you get to the top of the mountain, see that scene or the word, and then through the nostrils, slide down the mountain. And do that one more time. Little steps. When you get to the top, look out, see something beautiful, and then slide down the mountain. Now we're going to imagine that we're taking a glass elevator up the mountain. So long, long breath through the nostrils. And then little steps down as though you're climbing down. Notice what's happening in the belly, little pumping action. And then again, a smooth ride up all the way to the top of the mountain. And little steps down. Beautiful. And then little steps up. All the way to the top. And little steps down. And as you're ready, you can allow your eyes to flutter open. So you're using the breath with imagery. Yes. And does that help sort of tame the monkey mind? It does. Um, and not everybody has access to imagery right away. So that's why, you know, there's no wrong way to do this. So a word, um, it can be a word like courage or strength or uh, calm strength or peace. If we want to calm the mind, there's good research. Belarus Napastak's work with trauma and using imagery. So we combine imagery, sometimes a mudra, which are hand gestures. Mm -hmm. And these cards have hand gestures, um, imagery that comes from you. So it's not layered on. It's not like I tell you to see a mountaintop or I or tell you to see an ocean wave. Or mm -hmm. it's like we're saying, we're cueing to nature. So, you know, see something maybe from nature, maybe a time you felt calm and strong. So mm -hmm. it's imagery that come. It's all about empowering you, not giving you something, handing you something, but it, it really allowing you to create your own images. And sometimes when I'm leading folks, either in groups or individually, I'll say, are you comfortable sharing what image came up for you? And it's often images from their own lives. And mm. there's no way I can give you that image. Like holding my granddaughter mm -hmm. to my heart or rocking my baby, nursing my baby. They're those kinds of images right. I can't give you. You know, they come from your heart and they're on the altar of your heart. And they're there then whenever you need them. Mm. So we use imagery. The cards have images. Mudras, hand gestures, like eagle mudra for the heart. You know, just placing the heart, hand on the heart, 
actually stimulates parasympathetic activity, you know, calm, rest, you know, ventral vagal activity, placing the hands on the heart, right hand on top, left hand on, on top of that, linking the thumbs, giving yourself a little rock, seeing an image that's peaceful, and maybe using a tone. There's a tone, yam, that's the mantra for the heart. We use it with a long Y. Yum. To soothe and vibrate the heart. Mm. You add an image to that, it's just precious. It brings your heart into your practice. These are just such beautiful practices, really. The way you describe and speak of them just is, is beautiful. We were talking about children using the cards, but it makes me think that because these are practices that are not difficult, that all ages could do them, and especially the elderly population, because aging can be stressful. Do you use them with the elderly population, and what do you think about that? Oh, yes. They're so accessible. They can be done in a chair, in a bed. I mean, Placing your hands on your heart in that way in the equal mudra, and as long as we don't have such rheumatoid arthritis that we're unable to use our hands. Mm -hmm. And I have even worked with people with rheumatoid arthritis who were severely impaired in their hands. There's a mudra that withdraws the senses. That's a wonderful mudra to do before mindfulness practice. And it uses a sound called bee breath, um, brahmari. And it's a, like a humming sound and very soothing for most people. So in working with people with rheumatoid arthritis, using earplugs, mm. using the wax earplugs. So they have that sense of withdrawal of the senses, even if they can't cover their eyes and their hands won't allow the use of that particular mudra. There's adaptions for everybody. And as long as we are in these physical bodies, we are breathing. So the breathing practices can be used. I remember teaching in Australia, training for psychotherapists and yoga professionals. And one of the uh, students adapted the practice using it with an elderly person. It was called, uh, we do something called breath of joy. Mm. And she allowed meeting in terms of meeting the mood. This woman could stand up. She had no energy. She was depressed. So the practitioner who was a psychologist asked her, her client to please lead. They had already learned it in a previous session to lead her in the practice. So they started really slowly. It's a three-part inhalation and one-part exhalation. And they started really slowly. It can be done in a chair. It's usually done standing. Inhale, inhale the arms to the side, inhale the arms up, exhale the arms down with lum, again, grounding it. And um, so she did that for many sessions with her students. And it really transformed the practice. So, Amy, you have really brought this Yoga for Mood deck to life for me today. And I think this is a great tool. And I would highly recommend that everyone get their own deck 
to use so that they can practice these amazing and beautiful practices in the coming year. We sadly probably will continue to need help. So I just thank you for coming on today and for putting together this accessible yoga for mood deck for all of us to be able to access. Thank you. And it's just been a delight to speak with you today. Thank you, Doro. And I feel honored to have been with you today. Thank you for joining us on Health Gig. We loved having you with us. We hope you'll tune in again next week. In the meantime, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on healthgigpod.com. I'm Trisha. And I'm Doro. Be well.